Well, a couple weeks ago, I noticed that our um, oven at home wasn't beeping anymore, which seems, you know, first world problem, but still, it was kind of annoying. You know, when, you know, when the oven preheats, it should beep, and then when the timer goes off, it's kind of a bummer when your timer goes off and it doesn't make any noise. So I went through, and I'm going through the various menus and such, trying to figure out how to turn on the beep, and I came across um, this on our screen, and it said Sabbath. So some ovens will have this Sabbath mode or this Sabbath setting. Now, Sabbath, if you remember, runs from Friday evening and then through Saturday until Saturday evening. And uh, for those who observe Sabbath, uh, you're not supposed to do any work during that time. Um, And there are a lot of different rules of how do you follow Sabbath faithfully? How do you go about avoiding work during that time? Um, And one of those sets of rules has to do with, with with food preparation. So there's a Sabbath setting on the oven because you're not supposed to prepare or cook your food during, during the Sabbath. Um, now, the Sabbath setting on the oven is not, you know, it locks it out so you make sure you don't use it. But there's a rule that you can actually, if you make food on Friday afternoon or just sometime before Sabbath starts, um, you can, if the oven is going, you can keep the oven on to keep the food warm. So people will, will do that. Um, so... The, the, the problem, though, is you also can't have, um, you can't make a spark during the time. So like I said, it has to be on for the whole time. Um, but the ovens, modern ovens, have this setting now to where it will automatically shut off. So say you turn on your oven, you know, you, you've had it cooking, and then you set it down to, I don't know what temperature you set it at to keep food warm, 200 degrees, or is that just going to burn everything? I don't know. I'm useless. Um, but so if you set it on, you know, on Friday at like 5 o'clock before sunset, well, by noon the next day, that thing is going to be turned off. So Sabbath setting, I believe what it'll do is it will keep it on for a while, but it also, when you go to open the door to get the food out, what pops on automatically is the light. Well, the light, how does the light happen? Well, there's a spark. So Sabbath setting has all these different things where it will set it so that you can still be observant and faithful to follow Sabbath, um, but still using your oven in a way that, that, is, not, that is not working. Um, now, I found um, this website just recently as well. I came across it this week, and people would ask questions because I was wondering how many Sabbath rules are there. And I found this website where you can go and you can ask a rabbi, um, is this following Sabbath or is this not? And this one lady um, sent in a question, and she said, well, what about gloves? I walked to, you know, walked to synagogue on, on the Sabbath, and it's cold. Is it okay for me to, to have gloves with me? And they said, well, you can, you can wear the gloves because that's not carrying the gloves, that is wearing the gloves. But pay attention because if, it, if your body gets warm, if you take them off and you carry them, you are then doing work. Or once you get into, into the synagogue, once you get inside, you need to be thoughtful about not carrying your gloves when you're in there. Um, and they said, the good thing is if you're walking with other people, you can help each other and you can, and you can remind each other not, not to carry things. Now to an outsider... Um, debating about carrying gloves or about whether your light can turn on when you open the door or not seems rather obsessive, seems rather unnecessary, but what it shows me is that people are taking obeying the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath very seriously because they're saying, I want to do it faithfully. I want to do it right. And what it comes from is it really comes from the fourth commandment. You know, we've been studying the Ten Commandments, and the fourth commandment is, is you shall not, um, you shall remember the Sabbath and, and to keep it holy. Now, for me, when I think about 
observing the Sabbath, I tend to think of like a, a rabbi, like the guys in, in this picture right here, you know, the shofar and a guy with, with a great beard and people who are following the Sabbath, probably um, an Orthodox um, Jewish person, maybe, maybe a conservative Jewish person, maybe even a, a Reformed Jew. But I think of, of somebody like that who is very serious about obeying the Sabbath. However, that might be a problem if that is all that I think of, if, if I think of, well, if you're going to obey the Sabbath. Because as we've been talking about, we've been studying the Ten Commandments, and the Ten Commandments were given to the people of Israel 3,600 years ago. But as Christians today, um, we look at it and say, well, they were given to God's people, and we are still God's people. So God has called us to be faithful to the Ten Commandments. But what about the Fourth Commandment? You know, is that really just something that, that Orthodox people do? You know, generally, um, the idea of Sabbath just doesn't really cross my mind all that much, if, if, I'm, if I'm perfectly honest. Um, but last month, a, a difficult question came up for us in our house. Our son plays on a soccer team, and they're actually away right now in Pensacola playing at a tournament. Um, so he plays on this team, and the coach said, you know, with all the different times that we have games and such, he wants to make sure that we can have uh, two practices each week. So he put out a survey in August, early August, I think it was, and he said, okay, here's three possible days that we could do an additional practice. You know, one is Friday evening. I went, okay, not great. Uh, another one's Saturday morning. Uh, well, maybe, I don't know. And the other one is Sunday morning. Going, dude, this is the South, and you're going to talk about practice on a Sunday morning. I, that's, that's ridiculous. So, you know, I answered the thing, sent it off, and said, okay, well, obviously anything but Sunday, but let's go for Friday evening. Talk to the coach, and the coach says, well, actually, we're getting the most votes for Sunday morning talking to him going, hey, this is, this is a problem for us to have an ongoing, you know, practice on, on Sunday mornings. That just, that does not work well for us. So I was talking to Michelle about it and, and talking to Tyler about it. And it was interesting because for Tyler, it was a real dilemma for him going, well, do I need to quit the team then? And it wasn't like, do I have to quit the team? It was like, do I really need to think about quitting the team? Went, Wow, like he was taking it very seriously. Like, like to him, this is, this is a, a priority. Now you'll notice, like I said, uh, that front row is empty because my family is off at a soccer tournament, so they're missing church today. Um, so I talked to the coach, and the coach said, well, you'll miss for a tournament. I said, well, you know, every now and then, I get it, that's one thing to miss out on church for it, but a weekly Sunday morning practice just isn't going to work for us. It's just not something that, something that we can do. Um, and... The good thing is he sent out the message and a number of parents freaked out like I freaked out in a minor way. And the coach said, okay, fine, we'll, we'll do it on Sunday afternoons whenever we need to have it. So thankfully that, that worked out okay. Um, but if the coach would have said, okay, we're going to do Sunday mornings, then we would have been faced with a difficult um, situation, a difficult question for us to answer. How do we go about dealing with this? Because for us, worshiping on Sunday morning and being with our church family on Sunday is a very important um, thing that we do. And we Look to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 24 to 25. I don't know if I made a slide for this. I'm sorry, Brad, I may not. Oh, I did, cool. Um, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. So going to worship and being with our church family is an important thing. But as we're thinking through this whole thing, I'll be honest, the question of, well, is this still honoring the Sabbath and, and following the Sabbath wasn't really part of the discussion. 
See, I would say for most Christians, when we think about Sabbath, and not only you know, think about it as, as like what rabbis do, but think about it as what relation does Sabbath have for us today as Christians, um, tends to be more about, well, which day of the week do we go to, to worship? Um, Jewish people will worship um, on, on Saturday. They will, have, they will have Sabbath and they will have worship on Saturday. Um, but as Christians, we say, well, you know, the resurrection was on Sunday and it looks like the early church most likely um, worshiped and came together on Sunday. So for most Christians, uh, we worship on Sunday as we are doing right now. Now there's Seventh-day Adventists and there's, there's other, other folks as well. Um, Rashad, our worship leader um, with his family, worships on, on Saturday at, at another Christian church as well. So we would say that, you know, kind of our Sabbath, well, we, we worship on, on the Lord's Day. And we might look back, you know, like this, when I was talking about our soccer team going like, man, you know, 20 years ago, would any coach have ever dreamt of saying, hey, we're going to have practice every Sunday morning? Probably not. Um, and then you go back to like, you know, we might kind of miss the days. I never experienced like blue laws, but you know the concept of blue laws, like where there's different, you know, there's things that just don't happen on Sundays. So, so I found this sheet. This is from like right around the turn of the 20th century. And this is actually in the province of Ontario. So it prohibits all these laws, all these things you cannot do. You know, you can't work, you know, no farm work can happen. Um, the work of musicians and paid performers of any kind. Um, but you can for worship, so that's okay. So we're not in trouble. Our band is not in trouble. Um, no advertising. You cannot rent a boat. You cannot rent a, a Passage on, on a steamer. There's all these different rules. Uh, there's no profane language on, on Sundays, apparently. Other days of the week are fine, um, but Sunday you can't. Um, no hunting, no gambling, and the only public meetings that you can have are, are in churches. So we miss those days, but that's usually about as far as we go in obeying the Sabbath, I would say, at least, at least for, for myself. I make sure we go to worship, and, and we kind of miss the days of when we could just, you know, have the Lord's Day, and we would have Sunday dinner. And I'm impressed, though, when I, when I consider what Orthodox, especially Jewish people, will do. Now, I think sometimes there's a bit of a huge debate when it's like, well, you can do this, but you can't do that. But again, it comes out of this desire to be faithful to God and faithful to the fourth commandment. So when I look at that, and then I look at my own life, I have to go, okay, how much am I really taking serious of the fourth commandment? If I'm going to say, literally say from this place, God has called us to follow the Ten Commandments. Well, maybe nine. Nine and a half. So I have to think seriously about it. Now, I don't, I don't think that God is necessarily calling me to stop driving on Sunday. I don't know that he's telling me I cannot use my microwave on Sunday. But God gave us a fourth commandment for a reason. So today we're going to wade into those waters and go, okay, what might God be saying? Why did God give that command to the people of Israel back then? And then how might we live that out today as first 21st century Christians? So I invite you to hear now the word of the Lord as it comes to us from Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy." 
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for this gift of the Sabbath. Lord, help us today as we, as we study, as we think, as we pray this through. Lord, help us to take seriously your command. Help us to joyfully submit to you, joyfully obey your command. Help us to find rest in you. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and honoring to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, what does the scripture actually say? Uh, Verse 8 is that basic command. It says, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. So let's break that down a little bit further. So the first part says, remember the Sabbath. To remember the Sabbath is to observe it. And the way that it's used here is to observe it without lapse. It is this ongoing thing. We are to hold it as a present and continuing priority. It's not just, well, okay, there's a Sabbath day. But it is a present, it is continuing, and it is a priority in our lives. We may tend to minimize the Sabbath. I may tend to minimize the Sabbath in my life, but God's word does not. Over and over again, we read about God calling us to follow and to obey the Sabbath. Well, then the second part of that, it tells us we're told to remember it, to keep it holy. Now, the word holy doesn't just mean sinless. Like, when I think of something that is holy, I think of, like, this majestic kind of, like, moment. But it's like, no, what holy means is that it is set apart for God's purposes. Okay, so if we are to remember the Sabbath, we are to set it apart, we're to remember it, to keep it holy, to keep it set apart for God's purposes. But what makes that even more interesting and even more compelling is look at verse 11. It says, therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So the Sabbath day is already holy because that is how God designed it to be. God has already set it apart and said, this is my day. This is a day for you to rest. This is a day for you to spend with me. Our job is to keep it holy to make it an enduring priority in our lives, to make it a day that is set apart from all the other days of the week and a day that is used for his purposes. Well, then in verse 10, God clarifies the command. It says, On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, or the sojourner or the traveler who is within your gates. So God says, I want you to to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. The way that you do that, what you need to do, is you need to do no work that day. But not just you. No one. No one you come in contact with. No one in your family. No one in your group. No one in your community. See, it's not that God is saying, hey, you know, you need to take a day off. The other people can handle the work today. No, he's saying the work is not going to happen today. Don't make your sons or your daughters do it. Don't make your servants, male or female, don't make them do it. Don't even have your animals work today. And not even foreigners who are living or visiting among you. Even if they're not Jewish, even if they don't follow all this kind of stuff, don't pass your work off on them and have them do it for you. It is important that no work happen today. Well, in the Sermon on the Mount, which comes in Matthew 5 through 7, um, Jesus did a lot of 
explaining and living out the Ten Commandments further and further. You know, he, when he said, you know, you've been told, you know, you shall not commit murder. But he said, hey, even if you are angry and, and full of rage at someone, you have committed murder in your hearts and don't commit adultery. And he takes everything a step further to explain it. And he had been accused before of breaking the Sabbath. And he said, listen, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. However, when you look at Jesus' actions and you learn and you listen to what he had to, to teach about the Sabbath, it complicated things. I wonder if part of why we don't tend to, now I know there are Christians who, who take the Sabbath very seriously, but I wonder if part of the reason why we've kind of minimized the Sabbath is that we've looked at what Jesus did and maybe we have thought that he didn't take it very seriously. Mark chapter 2. Jesus' disciples, they're walking along. Jesus is with them, and it's the Sabbath, and they're walking along, and they're walking through a wheat field, and they start pulling off wheat that's, just, that's growing there, and then they're kind of you know, busting it up in their hands, and then they're eating it. Well, people see them and are going, what, what's going on here? And Jesus does nothing. He just lets them do it. They are harvesting, and they're breaking it up. They're preparing food, and they're eating it on the Sabbath as they're walking, and maybe they're even walking too far. I don't know. Well, Jesus doesn't stop them. And then later he goes on to defend them when they're challenged. In Luke 6 and in several other places, Jesus heals on the Sabbath. And not only does he heal on the Sabbath, which people find offensive because you are doing work on the Sabbath, you know where he often healed on the Sabbath? In the synagogue, right? In the temple. He's in like these holy places where there's all these people around who are going to see it. One time he was in the home of a Pharisee and he healed on the Sabbath. John chapter 5. Not only does Jesus heal a man on the Sabbath, which I believe was in a synagogue once again, he then tells the man, hey, pick up your mat and go on your way, which is work. So he commands somebody to break the Sabbath. But listen to what Jesus said after the incident in the wheat field. Mark chapter 2, verse 27 through 28. Then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Contrary to their accusations, contrary to what they thought of Jesus, contrary to what we might tend to think of Jesus, Jesus did not say, oh, the Sabbath doesn't matter, don't worry about it. Instead, Jesus did what he said he was going to do. He fulfilled the Sabbath law. He brought out the deeper meaning, the deeper beauty, the deeper value. From the beginning, God gave us the Sabbath. God gave the Sabbath to his people as a gift, as a blessing, not as a burden. It is still absolutely a commandment that God is saying, you need to follow this commandment and you need to actually obey what I'm saying. But the people had lost sight of the value of it. Now, by their definitions, by the definitions of many of the Pharisees, like we talked with the kids, not all the Pharisees thought that Jesus was bad. But by the definition of a lot of people, Jesus had broken what they thought of the Sabbath. But remember, when, when God tells us to keep the Sabbath holy, it means that we are to set it apart for God's purposes, right? So remember what Jesus got in trouble for was healing people right? Which is one of the things that God had sent him to do was to heal people. So Jesus broke what they thought should be done 
And by the way, it doesn't say thou shalt not heal on the Sabbath. It says thou shalt not work, but Jesus was healing. Jesus was protecting life. Jesus was bringing the kingdom of God. So Jesus was using the Sabbath as God intended for it. God, by the way, his father also, Jesus, God incarnate. So if anyone could understand the actual meaning of Sabbath and the value of Sabbath, it was Jesus. But also you notice that, yes, he did heal on the Sabbath. Yes, he did allow his people to do on the Sabbath. But over and over and over again, Jesus leaves. He goes off to a mountain to do what? To pray, to rest, to get away from all the craziness that is going on. Because he knows that that is how God has designed us to be. God has designed us to need rest. God has designed us to need time with him. So yeah, there were times when it was really busy and there was a lot of crazy stuff and there were opportunities to serve, but he still found that time to step away because he knew that the Sabbath was important. Well, a few months after I started running, um, I was frustrated. I had never been a runner before. I played sports, but I never wanted to run. I mean, running for no apparent reason just made no sense to me. But I started running and I was getting frustrated a few months in because I'm going, man, why am I, I'm still just sore and I'm tired all the time. You know, I figured at that point, like I should be in shape. I should be doing okay. I shouldn't be feeling sore. I shouldn't be feeling this way. So a friend asked me, they said, well, well how often are you running? I said, well, well, every day. Why? God designed intricate and amazing bodies, eyes that can distinguish somewhere between seven and 10 million different colors, bodies that can heal. I mean, like last night, I was a moron, and I slipped on our floor. I'd seen the dog slip, I slipped myself, and I slipped and just went, bam, I fell hard on my right side, and I am sore, and it, like, I bruised up and such, but guess what? In a couple of days, I'm going to be fine. God designed our bodies, yes, as we age, we don't heal quite as quickly, um, but our bodies heal of a whole lot of different things, and that is how God has designed us. But he also designed us to need rest. We need to recover in order to improve, in order to grow strong. When I was running that much every day, the problem was, Jeff, you need to take a day off sometimes from running. It's amazing the difference that it made. God gave us Sabbath as a gift, a day to recover physically emotionally and spiritually. It's also an opportunity to step back away from all the business, all the tasks that we have to do and reflect on his goodness, reflect on his grace. See, I was afraid. I ran every day, one, because I just really wanted to do it, but also I ran every day because I was afraid that if I took one day off, it would turn into two days and three days and four days and I would just stop running forever. Fear is a common motivating factor in overworking ourselves. Afraid the job won't get done. Afraid we'll lose income. Afraid that while we're resting, somebody else is working. The Sabbath is a gift of rest, but it also requires and it teaches us to trust in God. The Israelites had to learn that one day. When they were out wandering in the desert for 40 years, they needed food. So God provided manna, right? He provided this, this thing that they could turn into, into bread. And he gave, them, he gave them that manna every day. Well, six days out of the week. And then, okay, on, on each day you're going you're gonna to get enough of the manna in order to you know, have one omer, I think it was, for each person. 
Um, but then on the sixth day, I want you to gather two for that day. Because on the seventh day, you will rest. So they had to trust. Because the other, the other five days, if you remember the story, some of the people that went out and God said, okay, just get one omer for each person. And some people were like, okay, God, that's fine. And they would gather like two, three, four for themselves. And then the next day, what happened to it? Spoiled, weren't, like it was bad, you know, it, it rotted immediately. So now on the sixth day, God said, okay, I want, you, I want you to have enough for the next day as well. So they had to do what? They had to trust God and say, okay. But God came through. Sabbath requires and it builds trust in us. Now, another benefit of the Sabbath is that it is difficult to keep the Sabbath. Now, that sounds kind of counterintuitive. Like, well, if it's, if it's difficult, why would I say that is a positive thing? Well, think back again to, to very observant Jews, like Orthodox Jews. In order to obey the Sabbath, not only do they have to be very serious about it, you know, you don't carry your gloves and things like that, but like I said, you have to prepare your food the day before. It takes a lot of work to prepare for the Sabbath to make sure that Needs are met to make sure that all the stuff is, is, is going to get handled in that day. But that is a good thing. They need to make intentional choices. You don't just stumble in to obeying the Sabbath. Like I said, they will prepare food on Friday for Saturday. They will also choose where to live. Around the corner from us where we used to live um, in California, there was, uh, I, I met one day at the park, there was a, a Jewish rabbi who was part of the, uh, I believe it was a, cons- no, it was an Orthodox. There was an Orthodox um, Chabad around the corner from us, and it was about a mile away. Found out there were other Jewish families who lived there too. And then on Saturday, when I was driving off to soccer, I would see them walking. And they would walk off to the Chabad, which was close enough for them. So you make these choices For both Jews and Christians, observing the Sabbath takes making intentional choices to do it, and that is a good thing. It is a difficult thing, it is a challenging thing, but it means that we are not, like I said, just stumbling into doing it. It makes us go out of our daily routine. It takes making it a priority. Now, it's also important to recognize that not all rest is Sabbath rest. Verse 10 says, The seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. It's a rest to God. It's a rest in God. It's a rest to Yahweh. See, the Sabbath is not just about taking a day off. It is choosing to rest in Him, to focus on Him. This summer, so I guess a a two months ago, um, we went back to California as a family, and I stayed for two weeks, and Michelle and the kids stayed for three weeks. So I had one week to myself at the tail end of the trip. And it was great because I could, um, you know, get some work done around the house and such. Um, it also got incredibly lonely really fast. Um, but what I did one day was I just went, you know, I'm just going to kind of chill out today. I'm going to relax. So I sat and I watched TV all day. And it was the least restful day, like, ever. Okay? It was not wonderful. It was not great. It was uncomfortable. I just sat around and did nothing. It was frustrating. I felt lazy and I felt aimless. Not all sitting around is true rest. 
Matthew 11, 28 through 20. 28 through 29, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus didn't say, Sit around, all you who are weary and burdened, and you'll find rest. No, what did he say? He said, Come to me, and I will give you rest. Sabbath is about taking Jesus up on that offer, spending time with him. It means stopping all the normal stuff that we do throughout the week. It means creating time for the things of God, creating time with Jesus. And I think of Mary and Martha, you know, when, when Martha was working so hard and she was working faithfully, doing all this work for Jesus and all this work for this gathering that was at her house. But Mary just stopped and she sat at Jesus' feet, listening. Now, if you've never really given much thought to keeping the Sabbath, today is a great day to start. Now, of course, there are plenty of obstacles that can get in the way. There are jobs. Sometimes there are jobs that make you work on Sunday. I work on Sunday. I love what I do, but I work on Sunday. There are a lot of other things that can get in the way. The lawn needs to get mowed. There's all these things that need to get handled. So we can look at that and go, well, it's just not realistic for me to keep the Sabbath. And we give up. But how about instead of giving up, what if we start with small, measurable, concrete steps? So I guess a a thing for you to think through, for me to think through, is to say, okay, let me look at my day today, okay? I'm not going to plan how am I going to spend Sabbath for the next 50 years, but how can I spend a Sabbath today? How can I make today a Sabbath? Look at my schedule for today, and how can I spend this day? Maybe what it means is looking at, okay, here's my plans for the day. Here's what I was going to do. I needed to mow the lawn. I need to run to the store. I need to get all these different things done. What if you take one of those things, okay? I'm not even telling you stop everything for the day. Let's start here, okay? So you look at your schedule for the day, and you go, okay, what is one thing that I am going to actually choose to procrastinate and say I'm going to do that tomorrow instead? Find one thing. Okay, think about it. What's one thing you can think of? Maybe it's only a 20-minute project you were going to do. Maybe it's an hour project you were going to do. Think of one thing you were going to do and say, okay, instead of doing that thing today, I'm going to put it off to another time. It will get done. But instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to find a comfortable chair in my house. I'm going to grab my Bible. I'm going to grab a devotional, and I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to read something about Jesus. Maybe it's turning off cable news, maybe it's turning off just the television and listening to some worship music. Maybe it is, and actually worshiping, not just listening to it, because you could have worship music going on in the background and you think about 25 other things. But to actually turn all that stuff off and listen to worship music. Or maybe to find another, you, you can find not only do we have the sermons for here on our website, you can listen to Pastor Greg's sermons as well. So go on there and listen to one of Pastor Greg's sermons. Or maybe just turn off all the noise and sit there quietly. Spend time in silence with God, actually listening to God for 20 minutes, 40 minutes, whatever it might be. Just take away one thing you were going to do today and do that instead. So what if? What if instead of seeing the Sabbath as a foreign concept for other people or as an obligation that we don't want, 
What if we saw the Sabbath the way that God intended it? As a gift for us, a day to worship, a day to rest in Him. A day that we choose every week to set aside for His purposes. Now, that can happen on Sunday, that could happen on Saturday, that could happen on Tuesday. I don't think that Sabbath necessarily has to be, even though the people of Israel celebrated it on Saturday. I think we can celebrate it another day. What if we chose not to fill it up with tasks, but to take some time to stop running the race of life, to slow ourselves down, to hit pause for a little bit, to rest in him, to rest with him. Obeying the word of God, remembering the Sabbath, keeping it holy is not easy. But when we set aside that time, not only are we obeying God, not only are we being faithful to God, but we find our strength and our calling renewed. We come into his presence and in that place we can find rest, we can find hope, we can find love and peace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of Sabbath. And Lord, we confess, I confess, that I have not used it as you have intended. Lord, you've given us, you've given me this amazing gift and I leave it sitting there on the shelf. Lord, help me to trust in you. Help me to rest in you. Help us to find hope and peace and joy and love in you. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen.